This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Friday, July 1st, 2022. On today's episode, we're discussing the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Writer Ryan Scott. Hey, hey, everyone. Happy Friday. How's it going? So I am back. Uh, <laughs> so... This was was supposed to happen. I think uh, last week I mentioned on the podcast I was going to be gone this week. I had been invited for uh, my other line of work. Uh, I had this YouTube channel, Ordinary Adventures. Uh, Kitra and I had been invited on the first ever Disney, uh, this new first ever cruise of this new Disney cruise ship, the Disney Wish, which uh, took took off this week. And um, I was excited to be one of the first to be on board and to cover that for Ordinary Adventures and uh, something I've been, uh, I'm a cruiser and a Disney fan and there's Star Wars and Marvel and all sorts of stuff on there. So I was super excited for all of that, Ryan. And uh, Saturday, I woke up with a, a headache and normally it was like a thing, it was like a headache, it hurt, but it like it wasn't like that bad. But, you know, because I was going to go on a cruise, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll do a COVID test. I have a bunch of COVID tests. We take them all the time uh, just in case. And if, it, it, Ryan, I can't tell you, like when I took that COVID test and, and put the, the drops into the thing, literally like instantly the line showed up. I was like, oh, no. That's what like, happened. Yeah, that's what, so when I had it a little bit ago, I had tested on a Tuesday and I was negative. But then that Thursday, I was still feeling bad. And then it was the same thing. It's supposed to take like 15 minutes. I put the drops in. I, I walked away. And then it was just like, it was almost like Spidey Sense precognition. That paper was like, you super have COVID. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we had to uh, cancel this trip, uh, this uh, huge opportunity. You know, I'm obviously uh, vaccinated, boosted. Um, uh, you know, it sucks to get sick. And, uh, you know, sucks that uh, Kitra and I had uh, quarantined from each other for a week. But um, in, in one day of it was really, really bad. But um, 
the rest I'm sorry was like, to hear that, man. Yeah, the rest of it was like normal uh, sickness, but like one day was like one night, like I would be shivering for like half an hour, and then the next half an hour, I'd be like in my bed, like you know, it's so hot. There's like I'm in a a pool of sweat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my girlfriend had it that way, whereas me, like I had it for almost two weeks, but I never broke a fever. Like I literally didn't have a fever. It was the weird. So the range of it is crazy between everyone I know. But, you know, I'm glad you're feeling yeah. better. I'm just sorry you had to miss out. That sounds like it would have been amazing, man. Yeah. But yeah, uh, bad timing, I guess. <laughs> the worst possible timing. I've avoided this thing. Ryan, you know, I go to theme parks every week. And I've been doing this even uh, during, you know, the heights of the pandemic. And I've been doing it safely. And I've avoided COVID for two and a half years. The one time I get it is the right before this huge opportunity and trip but whatever you you, you can't cry over spilt milk right you, so. you know but i also think i think we talked about this a little bit it's so crazy i knew so many people who were so safe and went two years without getting it now the past couple of months everyone is going down it doesn't matter if you didn't yeah. have it you're getting it like this is just how it's been yeah be, be safe out there people because i, I want to say like Almost every I, I I put up my Twitter feed I pull up my my Facebook app and almost everybody I know is getting it like people it, it's either people are now more willing to share that they're getting it or it's like hugely ravaging this country at this point I just think that I just think that I, I I've I think I've said this before not that we need to keep throwing it on about COVID but I yeah. do think that it, it's just something we're all gonna have to live with now. Yeah. And I think that like it's a it's a level of acceptable risk. So if you stay, you know, vaxxed up or whatever, I just think we're all you know, we're all going to get it. I mean, you were sick. It sucked. But, you know, ultimately you were OK because thank you, science. You know, yeah. So like, you know, that's that's <laughs> kind of what that's kind of the world we're living in, I think. Yeah, I can't imagine if I wasn't vaccinated and what it would be yeah. like. But um, yeah. OK, anyways, uh, let's jump into the news. Actually, before we jump into the news, uh, we have a weekend where a new movie is coming out this weekend. I mean, I, I guess that's every weekend now. Like we're, we're now back into it, right? Like, yeah, mostly, mostly because even like we had that period earlier in the year where like the Batman opened and then it got like three weeks free and clear. I don't think we're going to be doing that anymore. Um, I think we're pretty much now where. We're back to normal where, especially in the summer, you're going to get a new movie or two every week, which is nice. That's good. So what are what is coming out this weekend and what are we expecting at the box office? So what we have is a Minion sequel as well as a Despicable Me prequel in the form of Minions, The Rise of Gru. Uh, uh, this is the big new movie this weekend. Uh, it is all but going to extinguish Lightyear's hope of making any money uh, because this is the family friendly flick now. Uh, it made almost $11 million in Thursday previews, which is huge, um, for an animated flick like that. Uh, it is, it's looking, it's tracking between 65 and 75 million, uh, for its opening, which is good. I expect it to be at the high end of that, if not more. Um, now, you know, for people that may not be aware, these movies have done stupid business. Uh, <laughs> for example, the most recent entry, which was Despicable Me 3, carried a $75 million production budget, which is very low for an animated movie like this. And it made $1.03 billion worldwide. The first Minions, $74 million production budget, $1.15 billion worldwide. Even Despicable Me, the lowest of the franchise, $543 million worldwide. So this is going to be a big, big, big movie. 
Um, whether or not it can get to that billion dollar mark, who knows? But it could uh, if international audiences show up like they have been for these last few. So, you know, expect to see this top the weekend. There's no, no, nothing's going to get in its way. Well, I will say selfishly, you know, I had minions at number four on my summer movie wager. And uh, this is all uh, gold to my ears. Gold? Yeah, to my, that's yeah. probably not the right saying. No, I knew what you said. But, but I think the thing <laughs> is, that this is one of those franchises, sort of like the later Ice Age movies, that like it does exceptionally well overseas. Like people don't understand, like Ice Age Continental Drift was one of the highest grossing movies of 2012, a year that saw tons and tons of huge movies released. Like sometimes this just happens with these animated franchises. And you know, Despicable Me and Minions yeah. has kind of done that. So, um, yeah, but that's that's pretty much what we're looking at. And, you know, the the, the other key is, you know, you got to see how Elvis and Black Phone are going to hold over. You know, Top Gun Maverick is, if it doesn't make another dime, it's great, but it's continuing to do well. So, you know, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure on Monday we'll talk about the, the actual numbers. Or actually, is Monday a holiday? Monday is a holiday. Yeah, I'm not going to be here. Mo yeah, Monday is 4th yeah, of July, so, so I will uh, be here Tuesday. Yeah, maybe Tuesday we'll talk about it then. Okay, uh, let's <laughs> let's jump into the news. Uh, some news broke yesterday that Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes is back. Uh, for some Michael people, Bay's, yeah, Platinum it, Dunes is back. But some people probably don't even know that it went away because they've been making TV shows and stuff for the last couple of years, right? Or am well, I... That and, so, so basically what happened, for people that don't know, uh, Platinum Dunes was a production company started by Michael Bay and his um, producing partner, Brad Fuller. Uh, and, and the first movie that they released was in 2003, which was um, which was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Uh, and um, uh, ba basically that led to a string of hits for the company between 2005 and 2018. In 2018, Bay and Fuller disbanded. They went and they went their own ways amicably, uh, but I think that wait, they wait, wait, wait. before you gloss over that, let's let's list off what these are: Amityville Horror. Um, yeah, here I'll else? just go from the top down of like highest grossing down the list: uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the twenty fourteen, A Quiet Place, A Quiet Place Part Two, The Purge franchise, The Nightmare on Elm Street remake, The Amityville Horror remake, The Ouija franchise, The Friday the Thirteenth remake. Uh, the movie The Unborn that some might remember. Um, Project Almanac was their lowest grossing movie, and that still did uh, $32 million against a $12 million budget. These were hit makers, plain and simple, people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's that, that's you know, they special, specialize largely in horror movies, but had went outside of that a little bit. But, uh, the, but basically, the thing that's confusing there is you like list a quiet place too, and that's a recent thing. So, like, I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of people out there confused of like, you know, I didn't know that Platinum Dunes went away. Yeah, so so what I think happened, because The Hollywood Reporter had said that they, they kind of closed up shop in 2018, but what I think the deal was is that some of these movies were already in the pipeline in some yeah. way, shape, or form before the company officially disbanded. So Platinum Dunes technically still produced those movies, if that makes any sense. Like it was kind of since it was already in the pipeline. But, but in any case, they're back. They're officially back. Fuller and Bay have reunited the company and they have signed a first look deal with Universal Pictures. Um, this is important because they had previously had a deal set up at Paramount. They did some work with Warner Brothers, uh, but now it's Universal uh, and Michael Bay made Ambulance for Universal this year. So they clearly liked that relationship, even though Ambulance seemingly didn't do great at the box office. It must have done well on VOD. Whatever the case, they want Bay in-house. So your future Platinum Dunes movies will be going through Universal first. 
save for the ones that are already locked up at Paramount, such as any future or Quiet Place sequels. But yeah, this is interesting because at a time when we really need guaranteed box office hits, Platinum Dunes really didn't have a single flop to its name, you know, which is pretty crazy. Like they had an impressive track record. So, you know, this is a, this is to me as someone who wants to see, you know, more stuff be able to succeed theatrically. I, I view this as a very good thing. Okay. You know, having uh form and uh Bay back together again, does, uh, wait, are form and filler both involved? You know, uh, uh, let me see. Um, so according to, uh, looks like just Fuller currently. Just I didn't Fuller. see, yeah, because cause, cause Form was a big, yeah, I should, uh, that goes, that should be said that, that, um, uh, uh, that was the, the, their producing partner for these. So it's possible he may be brought back in as a producer. I'm not sure. Uh, hmm. I don't think, I didn't see anything about that, but. Yeah, I know when uh, Platinum Dunes uh, closed up shop, they, Form and Fuller, like, kind of, uh, formed a new production company called fully formed entertainment yeah uh, and so, bay, bay did his own too like they just yeah. sort of split off yeah yeah so uh, okay so platinum dudes is back what does that mean for those of those people out there listening to this is does that mean we're going to get a new nightmare on elm street what what does that mean um essentially primarily it means because they've signed this first like deal with universal um any projects that go through platinum dunes now universal pictures will get first bite at the apple so anything and and platinum dunes let's be clear they produce some original franchises the purge ran through there ouija ran through there you know like a, a quiet place ran through there some big stuff came through platinum dunes so the next big original franchise could come through there and it'll go to universal pictures that's first and foremost now anything else who knows uh, New Line Cinema famously is is uh, the house that Freddy built, uh, but uh, the domestic rights to A Nightmare on Elm Street have gone back to the Craven Estate. Now, international rights are a more complicated thing, but um, we know that A Nightmare on Elm Street movie has been possibly in the cards for some time. The remake that Platinum Dunes produced did not do well critically, but it made $117 million worldwide. There's maybe a version of this where you know, maybe Universal starts sniffing around, seeing if they might be able to work something out. You know, maybe the Craven Estate cuts a deal with Universal for domestic and, you know, New Line gets in on it for the international stuff. But this, I, I could see a version of this where where this maybe gets the ball rolling on a new Elm Street movie. I don't know that, but I can connect <laughs> some dots. Yeah, I'm, one, I'm, I'm trying to think of what, like, you know, genre properties that does Universal own. And the only thing that comes to immediately to my mind is the Universal Monsters uh, totally. franchise. But I know Blumhouse is doing a bunch of stuff there, but the, maybe The Mummy? I feel like The Mummy, I mean, they. I guess they just did that, what, like 10 years well, ago? Well, that was about five years ago already. Five years ago. Uh, yeah. But I, I feel like that's something that Bay could, I, I could, see a bay produced mummy where it's like in egypt totally yeah you know now, but, now but, that he's found those like drones and, and ambulance uh those uh fpv yeah, drones yeah yeah. yeah 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 but but again there i think there's also a big difference between a michael bay produced movie and a michael bay directed movie. you <laughs> know what i mean like true, that you yeah. know it's so so but the one thing that i will say that michael bay does exceptionally well as a producer is you know keeps budgets reasonable and like allows things to flourish that way 
Um, you know, and, and let's not forget that, you know, Blumhouse is also has a deal with Universal and Blumhouse is kind of the low budget horror king. Um, and, you know, maybe having those two under the same roof could present some interesting opportunities. So that's that's worth yeah. considering. But it does seem to me like if you have Blumhouse under your roof doing genre stuff and you have Platinum Dunes, it seems like Platinum Dunes would be doing like a higher budget than Blumhouse. Like, you know, you don't want to yeah. have two two of them doing the same thing. Yeah, well, I, I think slightly so like Blumhouse had historically tried to do anything between like one and five million dollars. The problem is, though, like with Black Phone coming out recently, Jason Blum talked about how budgets have gone up a lot recently because talent wants to get paid up front. Blumhouse sure. used to make a lot of well, no, no. But what Blum, yeah. Blum, what Blumhouse used to do is, you know, everyone would get paid minimum, but then they would get deals where back end was actually paid out. So the reason people continued to work with Blumhouse is because if the movies made money, those people would actually get their back end. You know, so that's how people would make money and that's how the budgets would be kept low initially. Now, the problem is because streaming services have gotten talent used to paying up front and also there's less guarantee at the box office. Blumhouse's model has been disrupted a little bit. But yes, historically, Platinum Dudes would maybe work in that like 10 to 20 million dollar range, whereas Blumhouse was on the slightly lower end. But I think there's still room for both of them under the same roof for sure. Okay, another news story that hit this week that I think is super speculative, but also super interesting to me, uh, being someone who used to be a huge uh, listener of Howard Stern. You know, every morning I would, I, would, uh, uh, I grew up uh, listening to his, his radio show when he was on the radio show and uh, later on uh, uh, satellite radio. Uh Last week, he seemed to have slipped. What's well, interesting because, okay, so he still has a satellite radio show on Sirius XM. And yes. there was a point, he's, I think at this point, he's recording it at home still because of COVID. I could be wrong. And there was a mess up where they were running advertisements, but he still had a hut mic and you could hear him talking to the other hosts like, you know, in the, the break and it was not supposed to be aired to the public. So, okay. With that set up, Ryan, what happened here? Yeah. So this is super weird. Uh, so like you said, the hot mic was going well, commercials were airing. So you had to sort of hear what they were saying under the commercials playing. And there was an exchange between like monkey, Robin Murray and Stern. And so what happened is like monkeys, like, Oh, Kevin Feigman called. And it's determined that <laughs> Stern says, oh, Kevin Feige, Gary, tell him it works, but they're going over the schedule with me and it's going to suck. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and just read some of the transcript here. Uh, yeah. And then Robin to Stern. Are you working this summer? Stern. Well, I'm going to do Dr. Doom, but believe me, I'm effing miserable about it. Then there's a little bit of unintelligible stuff. Um, and then Stern says, uh, you know, discusses the schedule, you know, like when he did America's Got Talent over that summer, which was miserable. Then Stern says, yeah, I called Robert Downey Jr. I was asking him acting acting techniques. And then Stern says, Gary, do you have the number for John Favreau? So <laughs> Dr. Doom, Kevin Feige, John Favreau, what the hell is going on? OK, before we start into this, it, could this be a bit? I don't think it is because it sounds so like incomprehensible. Like what you have relayed to our audience is 
if you listen to this three times, it would be hard to get that from that. Like you have to like really listen. It's it's not easy. You do, just... you do. And and the thing is, like there was some discrepancies between various websites about the transcript. Like what <laughs> I have in our article on the website is as close as I could get, but you know, it's it was not super clear. So are we on the same page that this is not a bit? Thing I did, I should say, this is Stern we're talking about. <laughs> I do, I did put in the article that who knows, this could be a prank. I don't know. I will say, you and I seem to be closer aligned on the idea that I don't know that this was a prank, and and I don't know that this is something small. Um, so I lean toward this was a genuine thing. Yeah, I, I think if this was a bit, Stern is a. Uh... Say what you will about Stern. I know there's a lot of people that hate him. There's a lot of people that like him. But say what you will, he is a good communicator and he's a good entertainer. And if he was going to play a prank, I feel like it would be more clear. <laughs> do, like, do you know what I mean? Like it would, it, it would, this, this did not seem clear at all. So I, I, I don't think it's a prank. I, I will go to – I will bet money that this is not a prank. Uh, so the question for me is what is this? You know, uh, in our Slack channel, they're like, oh, it's probably, you know, just a podcast or something like that. You're not calling Robert Downey Jr. to ask for acting advice. And you're not, um, first of all, I don't think Kevin Feige is calling to find out if your schedule works for the thing if it's a podcast, right? <laughs> I don't think he's that involved. Uh, you know, he's not that involved producing podcasts. Like, I feel like he's involved in TV and movies. And, also, the other thing that clues me into this being something big is Stern saying he brings up America's Got Talent, and that was something that he did for a couple of years, and it was an insane strain on his schedule because he had to take days off from work during the summer, and like it, it literally gave him like no time off, and it uh, he basically compared it to that. Like I forget what the quote was here, but he was like, "It's like America's Got Talent all over again." Uh, yeah yeah um he he didn't seem like thrilled about it that's yeah. what's weird so if you're going into like a voiceover booth for like even like a you know the other i think thought is maybe it could be a what if episode yeah what if but, season two or something maybe yeah I, but I, you go into the voiceover booth for a day for that right yeah like, four hours se- four hour sessions yeah typical i believe the for the guild for animation it's four hour sessions is standard um yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. The, as it, so, if we, so let's, so let's, let's lay it out this way. If this isn't a prank, let's say it's not a prank. All of the evidence on paper from this transcript suggests it's a big thing. Like, there's no way this is like a small thing. Yeah. So then you have to go to he mentions Doctor Doom, <laughs> and that takes you to a pretty specific place, which is the fantastic four reboot and, and that was you know? that was in development there were john watts is going to direct that but he left he recently left the project now let's be clear it's been in development for a long time like this is not something it's been in development for a few years this movie could be closer to ready to go than we realize so i i, I think we're on the same page in thinking that this is an appearance in fantastic four the movie or a Dr. Doom or a Dr. Doom solo project <laughs> that we don't know about. Well, no, Do it's we just think- Noah Hawley had his Noah yeah. Hawley had his Dr. Doom movie at one point. 
I, I'm not saying because you got to keep in mind, San Diego Comic Con's coming up in a few weeks. We are going to get a big Marvel presentation and we're going to learn a lot about stuff we don't know about. It is not impossible to imagine that they want Doctor Doom as a big villain. So maybe they do do a solo project to try to get him right before you mix him in with the Fantastic Four. I'm not saying that's impossible, but I'm saying those are the two options you're kind of left with. I do think it's more probable that Stern is cast in a supporting role in a movie than being the lead. I mean, he has starred in movies. Like he started in his own movie, Private Parts, and I think he's made some appearances, some small appearances in other movies. But but like aside from private parts, it, nothing's been substantial. Even though he's tried to get things off the ground. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's what's hard for me because that's the one thing is I think when people heard this, they immediately assumed he was playing Doctor Doom. Now, and I and I even made a point like in the way that he says it in the transcript, he's doing Doctor Doom. Given that he's clearly a guy that doesn't care that much about this stuff, he probably. He, he wasn't like he was either saying maybe the movie's titled Dr. Doom and we don't know that or he's saying I'm doing Dr. Doom and in his mind that's the Dr. Doom movie. Maybe that's Fantastic Four. Maybe that's whatever. So, yeah, he could have a supporting role in this. But there is a read of this as surprising as that would be that maybe Stern is the MCU's Dr. Doom, like which is like, <laughs> you know, that's hard to believe. But I mean, stranger things have happened. I do want to say you made the you said that Stern doesn't care that much about that uh, the stuff. You're not talking about Marvel. You're talking about just how he's. Uh, uh, it's casual about conversation. It's casual yeah. conversation. He's because off, I, he's... I do want to mention he grew up reading comics. He oh, loved no, no. comics. So, At one point, he almost he almost made Ant Man before Marvel became the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So like he he was like he's a big Marvel guy, and also. Yes. His friend John Favreau named a character after him in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Iron Man Two, Senator Stern, yes. uh, who actually appears in many other uh, yes. Marvel films. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so so sorry when I say that when I say they're not care, they're on a hot mic off the air. He's not super concerned about getting the title of the thing right, saying things in a way that are good to present to an audience. He's just shorthand talking between his friends off the air. So like you know. When he says I'm doing Doctor Doom, he can either be referring to the part he's playing or the project he's in in a loose way of referring to it. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Okay, I mentioned John Favreau. He mentioned John Favreau. the The casting of someone like Howard Stern seems insane, unless you're a, a fan of Howard Stern, like John Favreau is. As uh, uh, Favreau's a Stern mega fan, he's gifted him with props from the Marvel movies, some Iron Man armor and stuff like that. Um, you know, named a character after him. Is there a possibility that <laughs> I know when I mentioned this in our Slack channel, Ryan, I think your quote was you're entering tinfoil hat territory, Peter. <laughs> you are, but I don't think you're wrong. Do you think John Favreau could be directing Fantastic Four? hundred <laughs> percent. Hundred percent, I think this uh, because when you said that, that was before I really dug into this, and and here's the thing: John Favreau directed Iron Man, one of the best blockbuster directors around right now. Reliable guy, he does yeah. nothing but make you money. Um, the, can you imagine at San Diego Comic Con they bring Favreau out on stage, coming back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe to direct Fantastic Four? Big splashy announcement. The only thing that could hold that up, if you if you divorce this from Stern and just say 
John Favreau is coming back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe to direct Fantastic Four. That is a completely believable headline. Completely believable. Um, but the only thing that would prevent that from happening is his commitments to Star Wars. But like, if he can work that around the schedule and it's all Disney, one would think that they would do move <laughs> heaven and earth to make it happen. You know, who knows? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, I have a feeling, Ryan, that next or this month, later this month at Comic-Con San Diego, we're probably going to have a better idea of what, what this is. Oh, if we don't learn before that, we're going to. Yeah. Cause I have a sneaking suspicion <laughs> that if this stern thing is legit, the trades are already sniffing around hard. Uh, trying to, you know, because yeah. like I remember when Thor 4 was announced, like five days before Comic-Con, Hollywood Reporter got the scoop on that. So yeah. like it's possible that like some of this stuff could get reported before. Like, let's not forget that the THR newsletter comes out today and they always have a couple of scoops in there. If they got a way to get a hold on this stern information, who knows? I'm I'm very curious. I'm I'm so curious. Okay, we have one last story to talk about today, but this involves spoilers for Obi Wan Kenobi, the limited series that was on Disney Plus. So if you have not watched that, please tune out now. Uh, okay, we have learned. I'm not sure if we learned this. I think we knew that there there was an Obi Wan Kenobi TV or movie that was in development, and then when Solo happened and came out, it kind of uh, turned the project into a TV series. So um, we, we have a couple articles here that give us some insight into what it was and how it changed, which I think is, is interesting. So the original uh, screenwriter, uh, Stuart Beatty. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, he, he actually has some screenwriting credits on the actual show episodes itself. So it, it stayed enough that he actually got some, some, some WGA credits there. Uh, but he he says that, um, let me pull up the quote here. So when I pitched my Obi-Wan story to Lucasfilm, I said there's actually three stories here because there's three different evolutions that the character has to make in order to go from Obi-Wan to Ben. And the first one is the first movie, which was the show, which was surrender to the will of the force, transport your will Surrender your will, leave the kid, Luke Skywalker, alone. So then the second movie was thinking about where Kenobi ends up. And one of the most powerful and probably the most powerful moment in all of Obi-Wan's story is the moment where he sacrifices himself in A New Hope. Great moment, you know, makes you cry. But if you stop and think about it, it's a pretty sudden thing to just kind of go be fighting a guy to see Luke and go, I'm going to die. You know, that to me, that required forethought. That required pre-acceptance and this was going to, that this was going to happen. Um, and then uh, later he says, uh, you know, actually, so basically I think what he's getting to is like, there's going to be a moment where Qui-Gon basically tells him that he's going to have to sacrifice himself and he's going to have to come uh, to acceptance of that. That's going to be one of the stories uh, there, there's a whole article with quotes here that I'm not going to read all of them uh, for you. But the the other thing I wanted to mention here is there <laughs> – so the, the story changed quite a bit it seems. Okay, so in, in the TV series that we saw, there's this character named Riva who is an inquisitor who is uh, – spoiler alert – working against Darth Vader. She actually – 
is trying to get revenge against Darth Vader. That turns out that was not the original concept. So here's an, another quote from Stuart. It says, yeah, except for the, the only difference in mine from the TV show version was she didn't know Darth Vader was Anakin. Because I was like, how'd she know that? All, all she saw was Anakin as Anakin because he hadn't changed in the suit yet, right? So Anakin killed her friends, put the scar on her, almost killed her, left her for dead, basically. So in my mind, the Jedi Council were the biggest villains of the galaxy. She believed the lies that they were plotting a coup to overtake and get power and all that. But they were stopped by the clones. So she believed... That's why she's hunting Jedi because she believed the Jedi are the worst, basically. So that is interesting. Ryan, what do you think of that? Because so that puts her story in a completely different context than what we saw in, in the actual show itself. That puts her as like she's out killing Jedi because she believed the Jedi were the ones that like, you know, turned on them. She believes she, I, don't, I actually kind of like that as much as I, I know people love her arc in this, but I kind of love that as well. Like being able to see the bad guy's point of view from that, from that POV. Uh, yeah, I think this really goes to what I had said with the Obi-Wan show a lot is that I think that it, it was clearly stretched to fit a TV show. Yes. And I think, and I think Reva's storyline was very clearly one of the things that was stretched to make that fit TV. Um, I think the notion of taking some of that out of it, like in the way that the screenwriter sort of laid it out, would have simplified things. And for better or for worse, I'm not going to even wade into those waters. But like, but yeah, I mean, to me, he's pitching the movie I probably would have rather seen, <laughs> you know, like quite honestly. Yeah, let me uh, read this other quote from him. He says, because I figured how would she know that this thing in a mechanical suit that everybody calls Darth Vader is the guy who killed her or tried to kill her. Uh, so it was Obi-Wan kind of letting her in on that secret and the revelation that makes her kind of go, oh, my God, I've been on the wrong side this whole time. And she goes basically it goes and basically saves Kenobi by sacrificing herself, telling Vader, I killed Kenobi. And then Vader kills her with her knowing that Vader would kill her. So it, it completed her arc. I like that arc so much more. Like, I feel like that, like in the, the TV show we got, it kind of makes no sense. Like her going to Tatooine. I don't know. It, it, it I don't quite understand the end of her arc there like she just all of a sudden gives up that she all of a sudden has a change of heart of uh, like i don't know um i wish we could have seen the tv the, the movie version of this ryan i'm with you i I, th I still think the most fascinating part of this whole thing is that it was going to be a trilogy though like the fact that they thought they had enough for you know yeah i mean it's uh yeah i don't know i uh yeah i i'm i'm still wildly disappointed <laughs> that it was a show and uh, this, this all fascinates me. Um, yeah, do you think? I, I, do you think this? Uh, do you think her arc would have been better with her dying than leave? Like, I feel like the only reason to leave her alive is for her to appear in more shows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, again, this is not area. This is not water I want to wade into too deeply. But yeah, I'll just <laughs> say that I think that seems to be the case. Yeah. I yeah, don't know. Again, here's the thing. I just don't want to feed. I, I literally just wrote a whole thing about this. But like I like, for instance, I do not love The Last Jedi, but I did yeah. not like create a YouTube channel dedicated to calling for Kathleen Kennedy's job. You know what I'm saying? Like, just because I don't like something doesn't mean so I don't even want to feed any ugly beast here. But I yeah, I, I'll agree. I, with I, I will say this. And by the way, your article is amazing. I'm going to link it in the show notes. Um, but I, I kind of hate that. Right. I, I, I kind of hate um that when situations like this come up it you know like uh ghostbusters from paul feig came out and i i'm giving you another uh, like a non-star wars example of this and i i saw the movie at the world premiere and i i did not like the movie i did did it ruin ghostbusters for me no is it like an abomination no like did i mean like i'm not like angry but like i did not like the movie and i felt like the the vitriolic uh fan reaction to that to that movie it almost made me feel like i was on the bad side for not liking it and i felt like i couldn't speak up and give my criticisms because i was going to be painted into oh no, you're totally. one of those sexists you know no, you're no, one totally. of the problematic people i'm like no i have real problems with the comedy and the you know i don't know like i yeah so i kind of hate that like you can't speak your mind about this you know the last jedi or whatever i'm just choosing not to like i'm just choosing i'm just choosing to keep it simple and i'll agree with you and say that it does seem like she's gonna pop up elsewhere yeah yeah i get it i get it i get it um and i didn't even hate obi-wan i actually liked obi-wan i just don't know i I, I was underwhelmed by obi-wan given how much i think it could have been amazing yeah, yeah. I think that 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 is also my my key criticism. Okay. Anyways, uh, we we've gone over our time limit for today. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at slashroom.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashroom.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you on Tuesday. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.